This is the semantics department. This is this is the thing that that really pisses me off. Why are there retakes at school pictures? Help me parse Why are there this. Help me, yeah, no, no. Okay, so you 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 send your kid to school, you fill out this form, you pick your background, you pick any props, any of that kind of stuff, and then you can select what you want. Kid goes and gets their picture taken. Three weeks later, you get a binder that comes back and it says, "Not happy with this picture? Choose a retake." So you can actually go back and get it retaken. Let's okay. let, let, let's sit on that, that for a minute. That, that seems to answer your question. No, no, no. Let's sit on That's that for a second. That's why there's retakes. No, no. Let's sit on that for a second. It's digital. They can go. Oh, he blinked. Oh, he made a stupid face. Like they can figure. They figured that stuff out with digital photography. There's no the reason retakes, to retake. Are the retakes only for certain people if they messed up their picture? Well, no. So no, it's I, just if you choose to get a retake, you can pay. Well, and get so when you retake. when you see the photos, you can decide if you want to retake. That's how it works. However. Amol gets his pictures back and he's got this smirk on his face. So I don't know if you guys know this, but like, this is a thing that kids are doing now. That's a common, we've had three kids do that and they go unacceptable, retake it. <laughs> he was blinking. Like that should never have gone through the cracks, but they're like, oh, retake. And so what happens? You pay for a retake. Do you it. Announce the name. This is the semantics department. <laughs> three friends who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. What, my what name's Keith. And my name's Dan. I'm JP. So quick question, Keith. Where did we leave off last time? Because I know there was a, something was going on where we were talking about some, I forget what we were talking about. What were we talking about again? I think Keith is like talking about how like culture is is in danger here. Um, but your example was like commercial artists. Well, my example is pretty much everything, you know, everything that we would consider culture. <laughs> But what writing, I, writing consider, art, etc., things like that. What What was the first before etc.? Writing art. Okay. You know. So I, this might be some semantics here, but like art is is like a self expression thing, not really a career. Even though some people can like end up somewhat making a career out of it if it's truly art you know like the, then then so it's kind of a vocation and then there's like commercial artists who are doing like you know illustration for commission or uh, editorial or stock right and if stock art got replaced with ai i'm not sure we would lose much culture even though i you know a lot of people who have jobs that they really enjoy might not really be able to do that job in this in the same way anymore. Now the 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 you mentioned journalism, right? Yeah. What what have you looked at like how much like staff is being cut from like major news organizations so, and so, being re replaced by like Chat GPT? So yeah. So uh, what did you just say? What was the first thing you said? Did I, have I looked at how much? Is that what you said? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Cause like, I, I don't, I haven't necessarily been following as much like direct effects on journalism or whatever. So what, what is the story there? Well, the story is, is that various places, like I think Washington post just like laid off a whole bunch of people 
And really? yeah, and we know, you know, you can look this up that lots of those organizations are starting to use like AI generated. You could easily extrapolate that people are being laid off because they they can replace them, you know, just like stringers or whatever with like generated content. And that's, they haven't said that that's why they laid people off. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, so, I don't think so. I mean, the layoff could be because their revenue is like suffering for a variety of reasons. Right. Sure. And, but like what I, I'm not disagreeing with you or anything, but like, is there any evidence that, that Washington Post is using AI generated writing? I'd have to look. I don't know. Because I think you said we know that they are. I don't I don't know. Oh, I... you haven't seen stuff about this? Like, uh -huh. yeah, like a, lots of news organizations are starting to generate like articles. I, I, I believe it. I saw a reporter uh, that I follow on Twitter say in her bio replaced by AI. Like it was like, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, from, I certainly from from, from New York City, you know, uh, Washington Post journalist replaced by AI or something like that. Like I, it wasn't Washington Post. So I'm, I'm, I'm making that part up. But yeah. So well, I mean, I, like I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's kind of telling. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that this could happen for sure. Um, yeah. Washington Post in particular and like New York Times are two that we often talk about. Like, you know, they're, they're sort of at the high end of of journalism, I would say. Right. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that they would be leaning into it. Well, it depends on what you're talking about, because like all of those organizations have sort of like local stories. Right. And they're, they're not just like national papers. Uh -huh. Like like if you look at New York Times or Washington Post, like they have things specific to their cities and area, you know, uh -huh. their areas or whatever. So like I'm sure a lot of that is going to be automated at some point. Yeah. And journalism has been going through a lot, like, you know, ever since newspapers got digitized, <laughs> right. It's been, it's been a tough gig, I think in general. Sure. Yeah. I guess, I guess my point was really just that like a lot of things that we would consider culture, you know, from where culture springs mm -hmm. is being, uh, not, I mean, I'm not going to say replaced exactly, but is being replicated by AI functions. I don't know. I, I guess culture, I'm trying to decide if like culture, I'm trying to decide where the intersection of culture and commerce is, For you know, is, is a journalistic organization, a commercial enterprise or a cultural endeavor? Is there, and is, is like how, how much do they overlap? Well, okay. Are movies culture? Is Fury Road a part of culture? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. So, is that a money making venture? Yeah. Okay. Of so there you go. <laughs> you just answered your own question. Right. Right. Like, you know, culture is not like only generated by people doing it out of their own artistic passion. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, a culture is generated and propped up by money, and you know it well, kind of yeah, always, I, will, I, I kind of like, always like, will be. That's like I, I mean, I mean you look yeah. at people like there's lots of artists out there that are basically businesses, you know, and right. these are like the artists that everybody knows, you know? right? Right? Yeah, I, that's that's a good point. I mean, it, you know, the, a, a movie or a pop star is like a interesting intersection of art and commerce like you know every movie is like i think they form an llc 
to produce it, right? Like every movie is its own company, basically. Yeah. I mean, it probably is different for like Disney or, or whatever, but like Fury Road probably had a company that they created to make it. And so what they're doing is they're making art inside the capitalistic system. So they, you know, raising money and like paying investors or partners and all this kind of stuff is like part of the exercise of creating this essentially piece of art. So like the 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 money component of it, the the commercial part of it is part of the project. And like that's true of like a pop star too. It's like this thing that you have to like make the commerce side of it work. So yeah, okay. So that's all if you have if you like want to put out an album, you're in a money making gender. You know what I mean? You're like, I I wrote an album and I want to put it out and have people listen to it. Even if you're putting it on like Bandcamp by yourself or whatever. Sure. Sure. You're like, it's a it's a purchase or it, I mean, not a yeah. purchase, but it's like an economic transaction. But, but yeah. isn't there is, I mean, I, I have to believe that there are news organizations that are not for profit. Like there's, a, there, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's maybe probably, yeah, there's probably one. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure there's, <clears throat> I'm sure there are. Yeah. I mean that like when you guys keep referring to like, you know, commercial, and making money there's a difference between making money for profit yeah. and being paid for your work sure right but i mean like i mean there's, aside there's two different from, motivations aside from news organization like aside like put put that aside let's that's sort of like a like side story i think to this okay. like the main point i made was really just that like things that we think of as culture are on the chopping block because they'll be replaced by you know, some sort of AI component. Well, you guys have seen those newscasts that are AI generated, right? They're like, they're not, they're fake humans. No. Broadcasting news. There's I, just a quick Google search. You'll find you you can do AI generated um, news anchor. And there's videos that I keep seeing where there actually is a news organization that is putting out news with AI. Mm. The person doesn't exist. They're they're, yeah. they're talking, looking human being like, and it's all AI generated. And I and I am assuming the content as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there, there's there's three jobs right there, right? You don't have a camera studio. You no longer have a journalist writing the articles on the street, and you no longer have an anchor person sitting in a studio. Yeah, yeah, like, and you can, you like, can imagine a future like like where where in terms of entertainment content, like there's just like sort of a little army of AI agents that make you personalized movies or VR experiences or whatever, just for you. So like I'd get a lot of like Fury Roads and stuff and Merck would get, I don't know, a million variations on Whiplash or whatever. And like, you know, that that (laughs) would just be tailored. Leave me alone on Whiplash. They would just be tailored tailored to us, you know, like, like your own personal tastes. You know, and like I just want to see and, Batman beat up John Paul. That's like yeah, my, and then there's like my no show in the future. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the the generated stuff. You know, um, what about what about like um, in real life, like not not on the internet, generative AI. What do you mean? Well, okay, so there's there's a wave of security agents now. I ran into one last night. There's a robot. That's rolling oh, around. Yeah. Cracker, Park. Cracker Park. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I, it does. I went up to it. I tried talking to it. Did nothing. Had it's like the R two D two looking thing, right? It's like yeah. it's just it kind just, of a thing it's, on. It's around. I don't know what it's for, but like it, you know, it bumps into people. People crowd around it. 
Yeah. People yell at it, I, ask questions. I don't know what it's doing. It's probably just, you know, just surveying it, right? It's just a, it probably all it probably can do is like take video and like yell at you. Yeah. From going but, to the wrong but, place. So there's there's that. And then, you know, of course, robot dogs like that. That thing is starting to get kind of curious to me. You mean? Oh, yeah. The robots. Yeah. The um, Boston Dynamics. Yeah, dog. yeah. 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 This is we're veering a little bit off of the sort of culture topic, but like. Yeah, but isn't that culture? This is too, going to trans- I mean, that's going to have an impact in in what we do. Like, I I know that if I go for a walk down my street, there's ring cameras everywhere. There, I, I'm on at least twenty five different sure. ring cameras. Yeah. But when I go to the mall, I don't think that there's going to be something following me around taking video. I'm, I'm just saying, like that that that's going to like AI is going to penetrate that market. It's going to have something to do with that market for sure. Yeah, for they're sure. going to go. That's Dan Mer- you know, That that's who that is. Yeah, I mean, this is what the television show Person of Interest is all about. <laughs> is about an AI that basically analyzes publicly sourced video, you know, like, and, you know, determines threats and stuff based on it. You know, Tesla's, or I think it's Tesla, they're working on a humanoid robot, yeah. right? Do everything. The interesting thing is like... Yeah, but that was a person in a suit, though. Yeah, I mean, Elon just wants a girlfriend that won't leave him, basically. That's why he's working on it. <laughs> I, I I really want to understand John Paul's silence here because John Paul doesn't want just, to offend Elon Musk. I, I've been taking shots at at Elmo. For Does it, he doesn't want Elon to buy two years and 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 you're you're dormant. You won't talk. Like you what just do you have to cut you'll have to cut out this about what? section basically. Yeah, this section will be cut out. <laughs> no, uh, I won't talk about what. Sorry. What, no, what, but what? I'm just talking about, like you like you two debate me all the time on how he's a great businessman. Oh, Elon. That is yeah. not true. That's what you say all the time. But, like, but you, he's a great you say this all the time. You say this and all I'm like, the time. What do you mean thing? by great business? And it's not true. This is you say this all the time thing. All in, every single time Elon comes up, you'll be like, You tell me all the time that he's a great business. Neither one of us say that all the time. All we do is say that, like, you have to acknowledge that this guy has made, like, a lot of money in businesses, and he knows, like, where these sort of, like, technological, like, uh, framework or monolith is going in the world. You know, I'll you know? say, I'll yeah, I'll, like, th- th- I think my attitude about Elon Musk is that in in the last few years, or maybe just progressively, the more he's, like, become in the public eye, he, he has looked worse and worse as like a a a human you know like he seems to seems to have like i think i always knew that he was like into trolling a little bit and stuff like that and like but he he just seems to kind of like step in dumber and worse topics all the time and like have bad some some sort of bad opinions about like like cultural stuff like you know but he's always been that way he's just well maybe so he's now he's now just i he's in the phase of i don't give a shit yeah, well, maybe, and and you know, he he. I don't has think he started started this. I think he's always been this way. Yeah, maybe I think he's so. always been maybe, careful yeah. because he had so much at stake, and now he's at the point where he's one of the richest people on on earth. Well, I think he's he knows that he's unstoppable. Yeah, I, I mean, he has the definition of "fuck you" money, and right. and you know, like, so maybe it's exposed something about him, and like, maybe there is something to be said about this regarding his companies. Now, the the thing is. That my so I think he's like got some terrible opinions and like he he you know this most recent thing where he had a meltdown about where he was telling the advertisers go fuck themselves like <laughs> like that that was like you know he's having like a Kanye level meltdown right now yes like he's, publicly he, it, it kind of you, you are like. watching an individual who is 
in over his head. That's what well, because he doesn't so, know how anyway, to he, he's, he's having some kind of problem. Like, I don't know if it's just he's always been this way and it's just it's unleashed now because he's got no nothing to fetter him. But like the 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 and the thing about the, on the flip side of this. The problem I have or not the, the dilemma I have is that that his companies are very cool. So like like I think Tesla's a big deal. Tesla has made it cool to own electric cars. You know, it's completely popped the top off of that whole thing. Like that was like a big barrier. Like no one was building that stuff. The fact that like and Tesla is pushing everyone so far ahead. It's allowing the country and like California to make rules like all cars must be electric in by 2025 or whatever that the rule is. Like like you know, like there there would be none of that if not for Tesla. And like maybe someone else would have stepped up and done it. But, you know, Tesla is cool for that reason. And, you know, they're and then SpaceX is cool because I personally think that, you know, the space exploration topic was somewhat stagnant, you know, post Challenger, you know, like type of era. And Mm -hmm. and they have made some pretty big strides there. And I, I think that that is cool just because I like space shit you know like uh, the idea of going to mars and these type of thing i think is like a cool idea uh just because i've always liked that stuff just sort of inherently like you know my my knee-jerk reaction is to think that that is that is like cool to build a rocket company paypal doesn't interest me that much but you know the other thing is and he he was on the forefront of being concerned about ai like he was one of the really early bell ringers he used to say stuff about this when no one was thinking about it and helped found OpenAI as a project to try to like deal with it. And it's completely gone the other direction from what it, you know, he sort of co-founded it to, to be. Um, so, so he is involved in so many like interesting, meaningful and impactful things that I think are like cool, cool, you know, ideas. This has been awesome. I want to ask uh, parting thoughts, Keith, go. What is the time limit? What is our episode? There is like? no time limit. We can go for hours if you want. Oh. I just figured, you know, at some point, like. Oh, I kind of wanted to get into Keith's like test reel thing. But wouldn't that be a great other episode? We can save it, I guess, if you guys want. I mean, we've been talking for an hour and a half. That's not nearly long enough for a podcast. Podcast is good. <laughs> I mean, I it's probably like 45 minutes of content. Like, I want to talk about fast food. Like, that that was going to be my topic. Uh, so, so are you, do you want to leave the test real thing for no no we no we could do no let's hit it i'm 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 good with that because we we i can always edit other stuff out and gain more time all right well let's we'll get into it i can sort of okay so i sent this article around and what this is related to the whole ai conversation and sort of like i think the ethics of ai is kind of like where it intersects this this was a good article i remember did you did either one of you read this one i read most of it i read it i did not read all of it so, I mean, it's pretty long, but yeah. So, like, this uh, guy, Emil Torres, um, coined this term Tesquerel to sort of talk about all of these philosophies that surround people in, like, that have been working on AI. And to kind of sum up, um, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll just I'll just list what these are, just, just for a frame of reference. Um, transhumanism, extro extropianism something like that uh singularitarianism that's kind of weird 
Cosmism, rationalism, effective altruism, and long-termism. Um, effective altruism is the one you'll hear about like a lot, basically, because that's a big deal. Um, but some of these are kind of odd. Um, trying to figure. Okay, so transhumanism, backbone. Uh, the next three, like this extropianism, singularitarianism, and cosmism, are just variations of transhumanism. But it's basically to technologically re-engineer the human species for, like, the future. This is what you would hear about people saying, like, post-humans or something. So yeah. this is kind of like how we would need, how would we, we would use technology to sort of re-engineer the human experience for the things that we'll be facing in the future, like space travel or climate change and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh there's this there's like a long part about this and i'm trying to figure out where the um extropianism is some weird thing <laughs> i don't even know if i want to get into this one um singularitarianism is the idea about the singularity the moment when the pace of technological development exceeds our comprehension um perhaps driven by an intelligent ex intelligence explosion of self-improving ai um yeah, yeah. if transhumanism and... is tra if transhumanism is eugenics on steroids cosmism is transhumanism on steroids <laughs> if you can uh, believe that um, yeah all of these are some variation of like techno utopia yeah kind of the, uh, some of these yeah. groups or philosophies or whatever are pretty concerned about AI like there there's a yeah sort of an arm of effective altruism that is very worried that AI will just like literally kill everybody like yeah. once it achieves a certain level of of intelligence um I've listened to a pretty long podcast with like one of the main dudes that it's referred to in, the, in this article what's it the, okay. the, the aura wearing guy yeah Eliezer Yud, I'm describing oh, okay. his name, Yudkowski. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you pronounce his first name. Eliezer? El it's E-L-I-E-Z-E-R. Eliezer. I don't think, I don't know. But so he's kind of been making the rounds lately. He he went on, I don't know if you guys listened to um, Lex Friedman podcast. No, but I'm mm -hmm. familiar with it. So... I wonder what you guys would think about this podcast, you in particular, Keith, because like Lex, he's he's like this MIT engineering background guy. And he interviews, he ends up getting a lot of like interviews with people who are kind of in the news. And like he he does have a tendency, in particular, I'd, I'd be interested in what you think. And they're like these really long interviews where they just try to go like really deep and there's no like ad breaks or anything. And he's got a certain like affected way of talking to the host. And I don't even know if his interview style is that great, but they're, they, I do listen to some of them. They're, they're kind of can be interesting, especially because they'll be like very prominent people in the news. So like when Sam Altman, when GPT-4 was like really blowing up, he had Sam Altman on. This is pre Sam Altman drama stuff that recently happened. He also, and then like the flip side, he had uh, uh, Yudkowski on who's like, this effective altruist guy who is super convinced that AI will literally just kill everybody 
like as soon as it like gets smart enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's very worried about AI safety. He's like kind of a major bell ringer of it. Now I, I listened to this whole interview and like um, was not very convinced. Like he doesn't, his arguments are like a little bit circular. His, his arguments about what? About why this, why he's so convinced of this. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, just if I was to summarize it, it would be kind of like, imagine a thing that can think order many orders of magnitude faster than you and knows vastly more than, than all humans combined together. And then imagine that you, you don't, you've lost control of it and you don't really know its motivations. And, um, you know, like why assume that it's going to be benevolent? I, I think is kind of maybe one way to, to say it. He'd probably even put it stronger than that. He's just like convinced that it's going to kill yeah. everybody. Um, you know, I even tried to read, he's got a blog that's like a prominent EA blog that I, and I tried to read an article like where he summarized all this stuff. It's just, it's hard to feel like he's convincing. It's like, it's like a very, um, it's up its own ass. Uh, he doesn't yeah, write sure. for us. He's like writing for like this community. Um, He's very convinced that he's like hyper intelligent. That's one thing about all effective altruists is they're a little bit like they think that they have the highest IQ in the room type of type of people, you know? Right. And like I, all, fundamentally, like long termism and effective altruism, like you know, these are things that have been in the air of San Francisco Bay Area for like very long time. They have deep roots. Like techno utopianism is like is like out here, and like my. Yeah. I kind of have like a, a little bit of a perception that like I always think of it as like a kind of a 90s thing, you know, like Wired magazine days and stuff. You had these like really like heady nerds who are like convinced about the transformations to society that would happen and all, all this stuff like space travel and uh, long term thinking. There's this thing out here called <laughs> the Long Now Foundation, um, which is kind of an art project. Have 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 we talked about that or visited any of their stuff when you guys were in town at all? Uh, you told me about it the last time I was out there. Um, I don't recall. Long now is like this. Well, I don't. I don't know if this is a major tangent, but I, I think it's relevant. I guess to to long termism and stuff like that. They they I almost think of them as like an art project, and they're a nonprofit kind of foundation founded by I don't exactly know who, but I always perceived as like being sort of these types who are kind of in the same style of thinking. And they, they, they try to do exercises to think in very long, like spans. So one of their projects is this thing called the millennium clock. That is this massive clock that they're trying to build in this like hollowed out mountain. I think it's somewhere on like some Jeff Bezos owned land, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) And like, it's supposed to be this massive clock that will run for like eons. And like, like survive essentially like civilization as we know it. And so like future man, like after they've gone back to the stone age or whatever, is supposed to be able to find this thing and like wind it with like simple operations and stuff like that. So it's this big construct, but it's essentially like a big art project, you know, this clock that will run for like thousands of years, you know, into the future and survive like thermonuclear war and stuff like that. It's like the kind of stuff they engage in. And like, I always thought that was pretty cool, you know, as just kind of like a, art project right like it's like people don't tend to think on these time scales right yeah well that's right. isn't that the, isn't that like analogous with the 
like the seed bank that's like yeah a, yeah like seed bank like that i think that's a similar type of thinking like let's right, preserve right. let's preserve civilization in some capacity yeah and like keith you and i both read ministry for the future which is a climate fiction book of, and at its center is this like conceit that that the UN founds this or this this organization that becomes known as the Ministry for the Future. I forget what it's actually called in the book, but and they're 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 they decide that their mission is to think about future generations and treat treat them as if they should have rights. Un, the unborn, you know, should have rights similar to people today. So like mm -hmm. we should do things that like violate the rights of the of the future generations. And that's another form of like long-term terrorism i think you know yeah and then the, but the, like i mean what was interesting about you know that book is sort of and this dovetails a little bit with like this test kind of these philosophies that some of these philosophies can be kind of extreme right so like you know in ministry for the future people were like okay climate is such an existential threat that we need to stop people um wasting all this like um carbon by taking these luxury jets like we, we need to stop rich rich people from taking luxury jets across the world or whatever so they would just like fly drones into the jet engines of these jets to bring them down so they well, were like it, it was more than worth that. it to me to kill one rich person in their luxury jet if it helps like future generations i mean in in that. in ministry for the future it was it was more than that actually that the the crash yeah. came was they they flew drones into like all the commercial airlines right right <laughs> and and like they were just like commercial air travel needs to end and it was essentially this big act of terrorism that and in the book i i was this is one of my critiques of the book was that essentially it was effective right and and like the you, you know you can extrapolate that this author is kind of like making a case for terrorism working yeah. right right and now but, the, the the thing that these that this test grill stuff like these um effective altruists and rationalists and stuff they'll take an argument and they'll be like well um if intelligence is the thing that we need then we should breed for intelligence and they're they basically start veering into like eugenic territory and you're like yeah. okay so you just decided that eugenics is okay because you're looking at like the future and that's to me like where this whole thing gets like really scary and it mirrors in a lot of way the desire to develop ai they're like if yeah. what we need for society is like better efficiency then who cares whose lives are ruined in our quest to get that perfect efficiency because it, that perfect efficiency is going to take us to the stars and reverse climate change or whatever right. you know what I, I mean? so yeah and like like I think the the EA thing has been making news lately for a couple of reasons. One is that Sam Bankman-Fried was big into it. Yeah, the FTX founder who like I love that like the financial fraud. about him where he's just sort of like, okay, well, I'm just going to go onto Wall Street and make a bunch of money basically because that would be the best use of my intelligence. I'll make well, a bunch of money and then push this money into like, you know, altruistic like things, right? right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to invest it in AI that's going to save the world or I'm going to invest it in something that's going to save the world. And then, of course, he was just a fraud. 
yeah, right? Total, because total. like money corrupts, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. And like, I, I, this, the, the EA thing, I, I think your summary is correct. Is like, if you long-termism and, and some of these related isms in Tescrail, it's not that they're not like some cool ideas in there potentially it's it's more like when you take things to extremes they tend to become pretty toxic so like yeah there's a lot of ends justifying the means in this stuff so they're, they're yeah like... it's very utilitarianism but it's very utilitarian like in their the sort of like Immanuel Kant kind of like way of thinking about this like have you like a lot of these people effective altruists sort of like are fans of peter singer do you know who peter singer is oh. so he's he's pretty like um he's like this philosopher that um approaches things from this very utilitarian like aspect to the point where like um i'd have to look it up to really figure it out but he has this book about like the things that he does and it's sort of like you know i gave my kidney to somebody else or something like that and it's like that's that's like that's his way of like looking at what can i do that is the most altruistic thing how can i live my life in the most altruistic way to the point where he's like giving his organs to people you know hmm. um so that but that doesn't seem inherently negative it doesn't seem inherently negative but he's taking that concept to i guess an extreme mm -hmm. i mean i would kind of call that an extreme i suppose i don't know it, th this this like it's interesting that effective altruism has been like appearing on my radar lately like this the first time i think i really got introduced to it was in this interview with with lex that i was referring to with lazier elizer um and then again it was like in the news a lot after like sam beckman fried imploded um so it's kind of like not a ringing endorsement for the philosophy <laughs> yeah that like the, the biggest financial fraud ever i mean i think it i think it like eclipse is made off by like many many orders of magnitude <laughs> or something this effective altruism thing is it's interesting because on the face of it it's one of those things on the face of it it sounds good right you're like yes we can we should do the most we can to better society and sort of save the most people right like that's like that's the most good we can do is to save the most lives right mm -hmm. but it's taking almost like too wide of a view to solve problems that are affecting people in the now. Yeah. They also have a very like superior attitude. Well, you sure. Know? They, they, they like, and so they're willing to, there seems to be like in, when the extremes of it, a willingness to like, you know, sacrifice like the low IQ people. It, you yeah. know to, to sort of embed like the future generations which which you know like oh we might there's something along the lines of like we might you know if we make this one incremental change now we can like 
improve billions or trillions of lives that are, you know, when we get to the stars or whatever. Yeah. So like they're willing to make that trade, you know, in, in some, in, in, in the limits of it, it's like, it's like turns on itself a little, I think. Well, okay. So where do you both fall in that spectrum? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a new topic. Like this article is very critical of, of it. I, this, this idea that like, they're, they're somewhat willing like to end, have an ends justify the means attitude is very much like the perspective of this writer. And he thinks it's like a dangerous sort of cluster of philosophies. Well, but I mean, absolutely. I think that's true I mean, though. Right. That I don't is, know. I mean, I, I'm the not way they look at it. I don't know. Cause like, I don't know enough about any of them to like, like, you know, I, I know this one article and like, I, like, like I said, it's kind of come across my radar. Yeah. But you're talking about printing a gene pool here. Like, like that sounds freaking dangerous. Yeah. Like we, somebody tried that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're veering into the thing where it's like, um, this, to have the best society, we should have only like the best people. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Based on like some scale that some segment of society decides upon, like that's a problem. That's definitely a problem. Um, I, I, I think that I do not subscribe to like a utilitarian worldview anyways. So like this stuff kind of like terrifies me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, you're talking about behavior, right? You're not talking about genetics, even though you were talking about eugenics. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. fundamentally I'm talking about it from like an ethical point of view, you know, right. like, but I'm, but I'm saying like, when you talk about like a great society, like, yeah. are we talking about like a healthy gene pool that survives everything? Or are you talking about like a healthy society morally? Cause you can't breed that. Right. At all. At all right? I, I would that's, have, that's, that's I would governance. much rather have a like more moral society yes. than a society that's like based on like the smartest people. 100%. I don't know. I mean, maybe 100%. that's kind of the wrong way to think about it because like a lot of problems we go through are, you know, problems of, I don't know, intelligence maybe, but like I would think in general, if people treated each other better or sort of thought about each other more then we would probably have a better society in general yes. yes but but okay so check this pivot out so that actually leads into my topic uh -oh. so, so here okay so what we're talking about is a better society and what we're talking about is people being morally better to each other correct i mean now we are no, yes. no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, the, the, the part that we're getting at here is that there's a delta between eugenics and cultural tolerance, right? We, have, we all have to be accepting of each other. Flaws and everything, right? Like, we just mm -hmm. have to be all accepting of each other. That's not working. It's hard. I keep telling you guys this over and over again. We're doing it right now, and I don't think we even know we're doing it. So what we have done is we have prioritized people... We've normalized people staying out of trades and bettering themselves through education to the point where we are now at a point where labor is extremely expensive and rare all over because we've normalized civilian athletes as children and we've, we've normalized 
schedules that are far more complex than the adults themselves for their children. And we have an entire labor class that's missing all of a mm-hmm. sudden. And it's been yeah. happening in the last 20, 25 years that it yeah. is normal for a child to hit the age of 21 after college to have their first job. And this is, this has now become a problem. And so we have to be careful on how we dance around that subject when you're talking about building an altruistic society. Cause what we've said is we said, ultimately we should favor education over labor and look, look where we are right now. My did point we about, say that? I don't know if I, we said that. I did. That. I did. This is this is my topic. My I think topic Mark is, is saying fast, Mark is saying that society fast food is dead. Fast, fast food dead. is dead. It's a, it is a dead concept. It does not exist anymore. They have okay. no skill. They have they have no workers that want to work in fast food restaurants. Kids from the ages of sixteen to twenty five do not work because they have heavy sports and heavy education. Is so that we, the reason though? I don't yeah, know if that's the yeah. reason. Yeah. You so. We went to Starbucks and, and okay. Fine. You're saying you're okay. I Here's my want, anecdote. I wait, I just want, I just want to like clarify like the jumping off point here. As you're saying that, well, I did say it was a pivot. So no, I just want to say the jumping off point here is that like because we valued school above labor, there's less kids in the work fi- workforce. Wait, without being pejorative, can I correct that statement? Yeah. In education we've prioritized education over labor. Mm. Do you know of any children that take home economics classes? Doesn't exist. No, I'm I'm, I'm telling you. I I visited three high schools in the greater Cleveland area. None of them teach home economics. None of them. Okay. Shop class doesn't exist. There is no shop class. Nobody's sitting behind a lathe making candle holders. Nobody's doing that. Really? They don't don't make uh, uh, those napkin holders anymore? So, so I, I mean, I'm not going to name the three schools because it, it's 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 irrelevant. But there are three very well-known schools in this area. One of which okay. is a public school. Two are private schools. It doesn't exist. Okay. Now there are robotics classes, but it's from the lens of getting behind a computer and learning a skill that has to do with engineering and all that kind. Of, I'm I'm talking sure. about labor class. So what's happening now is that these kids do not know that there is a need for that type of skill. And there is there there is at least a generation in between that never worked at a fast food restaurant, never worked at a golf course, never they just didn't do that kind of stuff. And so what you're seeing now is all kinds of problems. I'll, I'll give you my anecdote. We were at we went to Starbucks. We went Christmas shopping last weekend. It was 10:30 on a Saturday morning. We pull in the parking lot. There's a drive-through. The drive-through has two loops around the parking lot, waiting. We walk through the cars, we go into the store, and sitting in the store is, it looked like they had delivered every single, you know, uh, supply in the front of the building. So so somebody hasn't been able to take all that, that, that surplus and put it in the back of the storage. And the whole front of the area was just people standing around, and there was no line. So I'm like, hmm, this is weird. There's people standing around waiting for coffee. There's no line, though. So we just go right up to the counter and this girl comes up to me and she goes, it's going to be about 45 to 50 minutes. And I looked at her and I was like, for a cup of coffee? I'm like, I, I just want a cup of coffee. I, I don't want a macchiato. Why did or you go to a milkshake store to get a cup of coffee? I Well, okay. All I'm saying is that next to the place that we had to go shopping, we said, let's stop at Starbucks. And it was because my son had a gift card and he wanted okay. to use it. So we pull into this place, I go in there. I look at the, I look at the person that, that comes to the front you know, and this barista looks at me and she starts crying. Like she's literally in tears, flustered and crying. And she goes, it's going to be 45 to 50 minutes. And I went, are you okay? 
And she said, I had four people call off today already, and I have no backups at all. Oh, and, and my manager took the day off. So she's sitting there in, t- I mean, literally tears crying and all yeah. of these people are waiting for their stuff. This is such a common thing. I, I, I will admit I went to a Taco Bell with Emil after a scout meeting. I used the mobile app. I ordered, I said, I'm going to go in the store to pick it up. I walk in the store and there's one person working in the store. One person. You can't operate a fast food restaurant with one person working there. She comes <laughs> yeah. and she yells, she yells over the counter. It's going to be about an hour. I said, why well, use the mobile app? She goes, yeah, we know it's an hour. And I'm like, why? She's like, I don't have anybody working here. Nobody's nobody's working at these fast. And I know you guys don't do this, but like, I have to hit fast food drive-throughs because my son, who is in you know an extracurricular activity, one day a week we have to go get something quick for him to eat. And so I, you know, like as as every terrible parent does, they're like, let's just go hit a drive-through. And so I've been to Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King. Burger King in our area doesn't even exist. I had a person tell me that. Again, only person working at the store was the person working on the fryers, and they were they were the ones that were taking the orders. We've we've gone to Wendy's once where they said twice, two weeks in a row, we'd pull in the drive-thru, they'd say, We don't we, we don't have anybody here. We're closed. And I'm like, Your lights are on. It's 8 30. Like, what's going on? And they're like, Yeah, we're closed. It, there's just you, you're gonna find this, but like I'm I'm guessing you guys probably don't go to fast food. But my point was is that no, no. we did we did something with the labor class. Because when I was a kid, I wanted to have a job right away. I worked at shoe stores, worked at golf courses, and I and I juggled school and working. And yes, I was not an athlete, but it is normal for children to be civilian athletes from day one, where they are pushed tremendously into sports and mm-hmm. extracurricular and you know, soccer, karate, you know, yoga, all this. I'm like, this is crazy. Your like your kid does not understand how to work. And then the expectation is go to college, get an engineering degree, and then go be part of the workforce. But like whatever happened to normalizing people getting into trades, like it's just, it's, you barely see it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like you. So we're talking about this altruism. It's like, I think we thought we were doing the right thing. I think we made a terrible mistake that we, we as parents, and I know the two of you are not parents, but you're around enough people like us. You'll look at it and say, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Tre- Trevor's got a huge schedule. It's crazy how those, how those that, you know, the Smiths can do this, you know, swimming, baseball, you know, four seasons of, of, of sports. It's nuts. And then what yeah. happens? One percent of the population that participates in athletics in school become professional athletes. I think it's like less than a percent. Is that that's why parents want their kids in sports? They think they're going to become professional athletes. Hell yeah! You should hear the way people talk about it. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know what your work meetings are like, but like where we work, you know, all we do is we hear people talk about their kids and like how they're you know they got they got they got uh, state championships or like their backgrounds or their screens or their kid taking a you know a layup shot and they're like yeah they won the championship they're good they're getting a scholarship for college it's like they go to college and they they I mean my sister did that. She yeah. played soccer since she was three years old. She was on five travel teams all through high school. Boom. Goes goes to school, gets a partial scholarship on athletics, also gets an educational scholarship. What does she do? First three weeks, quits. Doesn't even doesn't even play soccer at all. So I'm just like, what did we do? She got her first job. I mean, I hate to pick on my sister. I love her to death, but she 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 got her first job at 19. She was a server. Like, yeah. it's weird. It's just weird to me. It blows my mind. Yeah, I I don't have a lot. I don't have a frame of reference for this, except noticing that like everybody I know that is a parent is basically just like ferrying their kids to stuff every every day. Yep. You know, and like 
sometimes it's a job and sometimes it's not. I guess it depends on the type of kid, you know. Um, but like, I think a lot of the time, I think a lot of it is down to um, like the the student body and like how sort of friends and cliques are made in schools. And a lot of it has to do with um, teams, mm -hmm. right? So like, and it, it's not something that us, like the three of us probably experienced that much because we weren't that type of kid, you know? We were all kind of probably nerdy and into sort of like, you know, non-school like activities that much, basically. So like, but, you know, for other types of kids that are interested in like different things, like I think their friendships and stuff are definitely about the like, you know, which sport are you doing and like your teammates and stuff like that. Um, and that part of society, I think has become a bigger deal you know for a younger generation is like the ties that bind them to like other kids um has become like a little bit bigger so like i i don't i don't know if it's sort of like the kids gravitated towards it or the parents pushed them towards it i i think you know maybe it's a little bit of both or something like that but i don't know if like we purposely as a society sort of like started just pushing kids towards like all of the stuff that took them away from getting jobs. You know, we, we visited the public school in this area, which happens to be, um, I think they're like a division three or division two. They're not, they're not like the first division conference for football. And we went and visited the school for an hour with the guidance counselor to check it out they showed us the entire music program all the they have recording studios there they've got all kinds of music <clears throat> several band classes several orchestra classes that kind of stuff all music then they showed us the athletics department second and showed us all the sports because we we had several like you know we you know my my son doesn't he doesn't participate in any active sports so he's like okay so so he was like talking about music and then he never saw a class of academics never never hmm. took me to a science lab never took me to an you know electronics class never took me to an english class nothing just talked about football wow. foot you know sports football basketball they actually took us into the gym to watch a game they were playing like a, a pickup game and then and then when we were talking about where we parked i said hey uh i i think i parked in the student lot and do you assign spots and they said yeah they get these numbers based on merit they can park closer up to the building and then they can decorate their 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 spot so they, they're allowed to paint their parking spot and so they put like all kinds of stuff like you know big peace symbols and earth and all that kind of stuff and so i said oh I, I i think i'm in like the fifth spot you know so the number five kid i parked in their spot but it was empty and i parked mm. at 10 30 so i said what time's lunch and they said oh don't worry about it she's she's not in today and i was like wait what do you mean she's not in like she's sick and and she's like he's like no no, she, she probably is working or something. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on a second. You mean when you're a junior and senior in high school, you don't have to come to school? He said, we got kids that come in one day a week. And I'm like, this doesn't make any what? sense. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, this is this has been going for a while. Like they have commitments elsewhere. 
Some some go to like a vocational school for a couple of classes. Some go to work. And I'm like, work where? Like where? Like where? Because I thought you were just saying that the kids aren't working. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that was my point. I was like, I was like, what what is happening here? First of all, you don't have to go to school during the week. That doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that's pretty weird. And then and then you're prioritizing sports over everything else. Like yeah. I wanted to go find out like what other languages that we only teach Spanish. I'm like, wait, just one language? Like. Why not German? Why not French? They're like, well, yeah. we have French, but it, I'm, I'm just like, what happened to education? It's just weird. Everything's just weird now. Well, you know, you have you do have to look at the economic realities of education as well to understand like how this works because like a lot of times schools like well they make money on sports, right? So they get fun. Well, they get funding based on like the amount of school, the amount of students they have, right? Yes. And then the amount of students they have is basically based on like what the reputation of their school is so if the rep if the reputation of their school is like oh they've got a really good sports team and like you know they have good academics then more people move to that city which means more people pay taxes for that city which means their school gets better yeah you know like yeah, this whole thing taxes. is it's an economic problem that's based on the way that we fund education yeah. like we don't fund education the same in every city that's the way it should be done. Like every yeah, city, yeah. every student should be, you know, we should spend the same amount of money on every kid that goes to school, but we don't, it's all based on like where you live. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. So it's going to be a lot different. So like kids, you know, in certain areas are going to probably be not as engaged in school and they're going to be our workforce. And that's, that's the way it is. And then kids that are very engaged in stuff at their school are not going to go into the workforce as like, you know, teenagers or whatever. Yeah. So uh, it's a, <laughs> I mean, as like most, you know, problems that I think that we talk about or whatever, it is a political problem at the end of the day, because the funding for education is not uh equal you know politics there it is yeah to the way of everything i mean it's all politics like everything's politics that's that's like why like when you say like we can't fix climate with, unless we fix politics it's like you can't fix politics you're talking about fixing in the entire world basically like you can't you can't do that there's no fix for politics it's just the way that people are right. there's no fix for it Right, right. Like there's all things that would improve it, like ranked voting and, you know, term limits and stuff like that. But like, you can't just like fix it. You've been listening to the semantics department. My name is Dan on behalf of Keith and John Paul. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.